This is the 58th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt, with me are my dear co-hosts Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. A warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello everybody. Good evening friends, let's get into it right away. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Tech app. This week features some more Paper Legacy FNM 4.0 hype, as well as hype for a nice upcoming Paper Legacy event here in Sweden. All the important things in life in one podcast episode. How about that? Welcome again, everyone. I cannot contain my excitement, so let's get into it. Robin, what happened at the last evening of Paper Legacy at the LGS? Well, as a friend uh, wrote to me on Facebook (laughs) after I posted the results... He said that I woke up and chose violence. And I guess that is what I did as I sleeved up Blue and Red Delver for another 4-0. <laughs> so this was a little bit of a, a little bit of a techie version where I like cut the fifth bolt and both of the the baubles in like the stock list to play two tar fire. And uh, that gave me the space to play except like in addition to like a brazen borrowers as the 13th threat i could also play uh, two pyre blasts so i was like pretty ready to deal with small creatures and blue spells on the stack and blue permanents and i think that in in a in a fair like mid-range meta that you might meet in your local game score store that's quite a nice configuration of course, like the baubles are great. They do a lot of for the deck in conjunction with like Delver and uh, Dragon's Raid Channeler and so on. But like Tarfire is pretty good as well. It's a tribal for for Dragon's Raid Channeler, obviously, and it's an instant to exile for Murktide. So and it has great art. It has <laughs> I great mean, you art. Can't hate on Tarfire, man. It's great. And like like the uh, more instant speed removal is also super nice. I think. And as the matchups turned out, it was like a live card in each matchup. Oh, wow. So I started out, yeah, I started out against Naughty Painter, which is like a painter deck splashing white and playing a small like Dreadnought package. So like in this matchup, of course, the most scary things is the goblins. You want to tar fire them <laughs> immediately on site. But I managed to win two quite... Uh, quick games like drawing out removal with the small guys then beating in with the merc tide so you sort of choose violence at the very start of the game i did so yes i did and uh, then it was the podcast mirror facing off against christopher on his spicy kitten deck that you will hear more about of course Ooh, we got to play all three games you won the first game christopher i had a slow hand that and the Delver that didn't flip, lands that didn't show up on my ponders. And like when my deck finally got to do something, you were already too much ahead, I should say. Yeah, it was beautiful. But it always sucks to win when, you know, you uh, when your opponent is in mana like problems and seeing your Delver not flip for, I think, two turns. And then when it did flip, I chose violence <laughs> and swords to plowshares. You so chose like, peace. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, was, it felt pretty violent. Yeah, yeah. It felt violent for me as well. And then, like in game two and game three, of course, uh, the Delver sideboard is pretty good with the blasts, uh, shaving down on the two for ones and just like managing to control the board. And uh, like you, of course, 
maybe go out of the combo a little bit for more removal but like in the end I was managed to stick a threat after many threats had died and ride that threat to victory and I think there was like a double bolt or something involved in one of the games as well. Then I was up against DNT and in the first game there was one quite interesting sequence where I put him to quite a low life and he had fetched up a batter skull with uh, his Stoneforge Mystic but since the batter skull is like the the life gain is one turn too slow and if I would have a bolt like the batter skull would not be able to do it he chose to spend his mana to cast his uh, Yorion instead but I had like a, a miser days <laughs> still in my hand that uh, managed to to counter that Yorion like if he just activated his stoneforge because I didn't have a bolt he may, might have uh, been able to, to turn around but like I, I I like the reasoning like if if I had a bolt it would be over and like he 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 took his chances but it's always so weird when you get that day's value on a five drop in the late game yeah I was I was holding like my thumbs for that you were going to get that pyroblast value against the mono white deck. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Dace is pretty bad as well. <laughs> like it hurts so bad. This is going from choosing violence to just choosing darkness. <laughs> That's horrible. Oh my god. Uh, and then actually in game two against DNT, I kept his hand with the double wasteland and the double days. And he's on the play and starts with like a non-basic land, so I just waste it. And then on his turn he plays another non-basic land and I just waste it. And then he finds uh, a planes that he can play and I start like doing threats. So (laughs) I got to daze both of his like first important plays. And then we like went into this situation where he could remove my threats but I could land a Merc Tide and his removal was, he was out of removal. And then he he managed to get like a, a, a timeless dragon into play as a blocker for the Merc Tide, and then I just had Brazen Borrower to bounce it for little. So, like the machines did its work when it comes to Delverdick there. And then finally, interestingly, I faced off against Burn. Uh, was a new player at a local game store. Very nice to see new players come in. Had a spicy Burn deck, many cards that I did not really recognize not sure if it was opted or maybe it was like next level burn I'm, I'm not really sure here but in game one i was in like real danger from his creatures until i finally found a murktide that could just stonewall everything then i found removal for his creatures and could just swing in for two hits to kill him or something like that i was just gonna say until you found tarfire and right, right. <laughs> Torfi like, had a lot of targets there. This is why uh, Blue Red Delver is like uh, the burn deck, but with a massive brain. You're both sitting there doing big calculations, and then you're just like, oh, I'm just going to play this two mana 8 8, and I won the game. Yeah, like. That's <laughs> nasty. Big break. Remember, like in the in the Canadian threshold days, where you were like, like burn is a tricky matchup, but when you when you land a goif, you're all right because then you can just kill them in four turns. Like this is goif on steroids. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, I remember so many times when you play a, a turn two goif and then you daze their eidolons, so you get creature and enchantment in the graveyard, and it's just like right, the right. fastest clock in the universe. Yeah, except it's like a 3, 4, 4, 5, <laughs> and can be shumped. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but it's always like instant is going to be there, because you daze, and uh, you're going to fetch a bit, so you're just, I don't know, it's just such a fast clock, but it's it was still like, it didn't feel great playing that matchup. 
Maybe it's because all of your wastelands are dead. <laughs> you're like a man of the Nile deck. You're looking at your stifles. You're like, maybe I should stifle the Eidolon trigger. And you just create a new one. <laughs> and then like in game uh, two, he had fast creatures on the board and I took my time like ponder on turn one and then found counterbalance slammed it on turn two then it blind flip killed like a uh, not killed but countered a bolt and then I managed to like land a threat and uh, he was going to like bolt something and I reveal a blue blast <laughs> from the sideboard <laughs> so yeah so that was just like super upwards for for the burn deck with like counterbalance, blue blasts, and threats that are hard to deal with. So pretty fast 2-0 even there. So deck felt, of course, very strong. I mean, there's no question about it being sort of the strongest deck out there to play. And it certainly did deliver for me. Man, who is this violent guy? Where's Robin? <laughs> I'm probably back on 8cast uh, for next week because I have this nice tech that's been dis- been discussed in the Discord server of playing like spell skite for the pure blasts in the board. Ooh. Yeah, that is nasty. I'm liking it. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna test that. Maybe that's why maybe that's why you should play red elemental blasts instead so it can't be uh, redirected. But yeah, that is a nasty tech. You can also do it like on prismatic ending x equals one uh, for your chalice, uh, you know, with two CMC. You're just like, I'm just going to move this over to Spellskite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bolts as well. Like they are they are resolving, obviously, but they're not killing it. So that's going to be cool. So how was your evening, Christopher? It was real nice. And, you know, before the tournament, I invited Rob, uh, Robin over for some pre-tournament ragu. Uh, like, right. Uh, I had that made... was the best part of the evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had, uh, like, during his uh, work day, I, I think it was Tuesday or something, uh, I was just bombarding Robin with, uh, you know, updates of how my ragu went because we ate bolognese uh, at his place. So I made a really long cook so i was like man it's not fair if i just send all those pictures so i invited him over and we ate some ragu before going to the legacy like when we get a patreon first tier is going to be christopher's cookbook access right i think that like even andrea miguchi would have been proud of your ragu there it was really nice yeah yeah, I think so too. It was definitely it's it was uh, the one of the original recipes from uh, 1982 in a cookbook I'm using, which is Italian, so I like the recipe. So it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, quote unquote authentic. Although I hate that word when it comes to cooking because just eat what tastes good, cook what you like. Anyways, into the into the evening. So I decided to sleeve up uh, Jeskai Kiran and. I think it's pretty much the same list that I played uh, at Robbins. You know, a free Snapcaster, one Thassa's Oracle, which should have been Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, number two, but I only own one, so I played one. Two Fable of the Mirror Breaker, free Kitten, free Bobble, one Mox Amber, four Brainstorm, four Ponder, two Prismatic Ending, four Swords to Plowshares, two Predict, free Narset, free Teferi, and then, yeah, the one Jace and four Force of Will, 20 lands, you know, I squeezed in a sanctuary in there because it's it's always going to be a good time. So the report was, it, it's a super fun deck to play. And, you know, my first round opponent is uh, a listener to the, to the pod and a good friend who uh, 
played uh, Bagaluren for the first time. And it's a deck that I love. I've played it a lot. If, you're, if you've been listening to the podcast before, it's definitely one of my absolute favorite decks of all time. And I do think that Bug has a lot of angles to attack a deck like this. Maybe when it comes to more conventional Jeskai builds. But I'm also a combo deck that can kill very quickly. And game one, my opponent just floods the board with creatures. And I have a, a lonely Teferi just ticking up, trying to uh, survive a turn. Then like, you know Teferi's in play. You hit your land four and you just play a kitten and a bauble and it slides out. My opponent did have a grist that they could have minus to kill the Teferi, but they plussed instead. And after our games, he was like, oh, I definitely should have minused. But, uh, you know, stuff like that happened. And maybe if you haven't played Grist as much, you might not think that that's an avenue, that it actually hits Planeswalkers. But that's one of the things that makes Grist playable. In game two, like, my opponent has all of the mana in the world and no action. So I first, uh, you know, force Aluren number one and resolve a Teferi, sitting with, you know, Snap caster and sorts the plowshares in the graveyard so if my opponent would go for a second aluren and then combo with a serorak or harpy they have to do everything in sorcery speed so then i can just play the Snapcaster and uh, sorts the plowshares the wing condor trying to win with so uh, since the snappy is free due to aluren and i was sitting with one man up it felt really good but uh, after a while i get to play a counterbalance and start doing some control stuff, you know, playing some predicts, drawing a lot of cards. And eventually a kitten comes along, which allows me to bounce a learn, play a bobble. Uh, no, not bobble, but maybe just uh, because the bobble would have comboed. Maybe just a ponder or something. And then bounce his dried arbor, brainstorm a kitten to the top so that the counterbalance counters his learn and then predict it away. And it was just like... Uh, so many nasty things happening at the same time and my opponent just you know it's over like it's uh, they're not gonna recoup from this and I'm just hitting Narset the turn after which digs in like so many cards with Kitten like every minus if you find one cantrip one bobble anything it's pretty much lights out so that was a pretty nice 2-0. And then as Robin said, we played in round two, the, the podcast Mirror. And uh, I don't really remember which games we won or not, but I do remember you playing the Maddening Hicks, one of the games. And it uh, it was, uh, it's pretty scary. It's a scary card for sure. But uh, after our games, I did think about how I should maybe do some do some fixing with the deck. Maybe add some mentors in the sideboard just to, you know, have another maybe stronger avenue of winning. If your opponent is bringing a lot of heat, you know, like Pyroblasts and Red Elemental Blasts, maybe trying to resolve a Teferi and a Kitten is not so easy. So maybe just putting a mentor in there is nice. Uh, I did play two Terminus in my sideboard, and they have just been extremely good. <laughs> like, yeah, they were super scary. Yes, I, I, I do love Terminus still. I, I still think it's a super nice card. It's easy to set up, and when you have casted one, the Mystic Sanctuary is so nasty afterwards. Like You can just put it on the top again, play it, act like nothing happened, 
and you know it's it's pretty great but yeah robin robin picked out one up one two but i'll take it i was the only game loss uh, you had the entire evening so if it's if it's you know uh, some solace i'll take it but then i did play against another blue red delver and in game one i actually just managed to grind him out his turn one delver didn't really flip and the turn he decides to set it up he has brainstormed and stuff like that and he goes delver trigger and i'm like in response i'm gonna bobble you look at the top card which is a lightning bolt and then i'll just go predict lightning bolt <laughs> so i get to draw two and then you know one in the upkeep and uh, the normal draw step but the best part is that his Delver did not blind flip after that, which was super satisfying. <laughs> and, you know, it's uh, it's all you want in some of those scenarios. Game two was just super nasty. You know, this uh, Maddening Hex card, guys, it's a, it's a scary one. I think it dealt 10 or 11 damage to me on my first two rolls. Oh, that is sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the first roll was either a four or a five and the second was a six and it killed me. <laughs> So I was just I was just sitting there, like we were talking about it. Robin said that, yeah, it's a good card, you know, 3.5 damage average. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like more like 5.5. <laughs> like this is almost a triple Eidolon. This is so much violence right now. Yeah, like I definitely <laughs> felt the violence. But then we arrived to game three. And this is one of the craziest games I've played in in a very long time. It's a very long game. And, uh, you know, Robin and a lot of people came spectating because it was one of those games. I managed to answer a lot of threats. I'm, I've played both of my Terminus just for one for ones or one for twos. You know, not big, not big hits, really. I'm just trying to buy time. And at one point, my opponent resolves a Court of Cunning with one red mana up and passes. He has no creatures in play, and I'm sitting with a Snapcaster in play, and I have two mana up. So I'm thinking, he has a removal. It's a Bolt or something like that. But I'm going to go for it. So I just Ambush Viper in a second Snapcaster. No value, just Ambush Viper. And he he has like the biggest sigh ever, and he pauses, <laughs> and he's like, I'll Bolt the... I'll bolt one of your snappies and then I just untap and take the monarch and the crown is mine for the rest of the game but this is where the game begun, becomes really tricky so my opponent is sitting with a cord of cunning and he's milling me for two a turn and uh, you know if you heard what my deck is playing it's playing eight cantrips free baubles and predict like I'm drawing a lot of cards already and I'm the monarch too so I have my Teferi in play, but I don't have any counter spells or stuff like that. My opponent just sticks a maddening hex onto me. And I'm getting flashbacks from our game two, which uh, <laughs> ended pretty abruptly. It's scary. I'm sitting there. He's playing a creature. I can't remember if it was a Merktide, but I have to force. And I roll a five on the dice again. So I go down to one life. <laughs> nice. I'm sitting there like, this is not a great situation that I find myself in right now. I'm at one life and everything is bad, but I did counter his Merc Tide. That's, that's great. I take my turn and I bounce, his, um, I bounce his Maddening Hex with my Teferi that I haven't played. Because if the Maddening Hex is in play, I'm completely locked out from playing anything but my... <laughs> 
my free displacer kittens, my one fastest oracle, and my snapcasters. And mind you, all of my snapcasters are dead at this point, and I have one kitten left in the deck. It's it's not looking good. So I bounce his maddening hex with my Teferi, which is at one loyalty now, and I'm gonna big brain him. So I ponder and put a Fable of the Mirror Breaker on top, and I play a counterbalance. Got him. He takes his turn and he activates Court of Cunning. <laughs> so I mill my two cards. So I, of course, milled my setup. So I don't have a free on top anymore. And then he just jams it again. I reveal my top card and it's Jace, Wielder of Mysteries. Shit. So my Teferi is at one loyalty and time is called. I take my turn, just plus Teferi and pass. My opponent mills me for two and passes. And I'm sitting, I don't have a big library now. I take my turn. I plus the fairy, I pass. My opponent repeats. Draw, mill you, go. It's round five in time. I draw my card for the turn. I have one card left in my library. My opponent is sitting with six cards in hand. I minus the fairy, which kills it to bounce the maddening hex. So this unlocks my opponent's spells. He can now cast spells on my turn. Okay, great. It happens. I play Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, which is a four mana planeswalker, one and three blue. And it has the lab man, uh, the laboratory maniac static ability. If you would draw a card, if you don't have any cards in your library, you win the game. And then plus one is pretty much mill two and draw a card. So I play Jace. He forces, I read Elemental Blast. He dazes, I pay. He dazes again. I have one mana and one untapped fetch, but I'm at one. So I can't, I can't fetch him, you know. If he has another daze, I'm dead. And my counterbalance had at this point revealed a ponder, which is on top. It's the last card in the, in the mix. Okay, great. I pay one and he extends the hand. Round five in time, hard cast a fair Jace Wheeler of Mysteries, which won the game. Wow. Yeah, that was so spectacular. Extremely nasty. This is fantastic. Yeah, I was like, he was, he was so like happy for me because that was crazy. But you also saw like how extremely soul crushing that Jace Wheeler of Mysteries <laughs> was. Because when he played his Maddening Hex, it was the card that was revealed to counterbalance. So somewhere in his head, he must have forgotten that that was a part of the game plan because he kept court of cunning me until it was too late and where it just became a lethal plus. So that was super cool. Match four is not really too much to talk about. It was a Jeskai control mirror. You know, game one, my opponent resolved a Narset, which pretty much wins in the game. In game two, I do the same to him. I resolve a Narset and a Teferi, which eventually wins with a Kitten. Like it's, I think the Jeskai mirrors are quite boring, actually. Like they're just free mana jam fests. They're not really for me. I definitely prefer playing Bant Jeskai or Bug Jeskai, like any other configuration of control decks. But the Jeskai mirror is pretty much who sticks a Narset in my opinion, like who sticks a Narset to dig for their first protection spell first. The first player who misses a land drop is going to be so far behind. 
And in our game three, I find my land five in turn uh, 12 or 13, which lost me the game super hard. So that was just brutal. But yeah, so I went two and two. I have some things that I'm going to try out with this deck. I'm definitely going to put a, a Wandering Emperor in the main deck because I think that's extremely nasty. And I'm looking at both Hydroblast, because now uh, both Robin and the round three opponent put the fear of Maddening Hex in my heart. <laughs> so I'm going to put a Hydroblast in there. <laughs> yep. But also Mentors, because I think I, the, deck, the deck is super sweet, but you have to have one other strong angle of attack. And I think Mentors are doing that super well. So yeah, that was my tournament. It was super great. That's fascinating. I asked one question sort of to add on to everything that you just said, harking back to when we first talked about this deck. How is the Mox Amber performing? It's actually pretty good. What I heard from a lot of people that has been trying this, there was a lot of discussion between Mox Amber and Chrome Mox because Chrome Mox can help you accelerate into Teferi or Norset as early as turn two. But my problem with it is it's kind of, you know, card disadvantage When it goes off, you know, you just play it and you don't imprint something and you, then you just bounce it until you want to make mana and kill them. So it's it's the the kill is pretty much the same. But what I think is pretty good against uh, with just Mox Amber is the ability to play Mox Amber. If you, for instance, if you minus your Norset and you find a Mox Amber... You can play Mox Amber, blink your Narset, and have a blue mana. So if your next minus finds a Ponder, you can play the Ponder with your Mox Amber. And I think that's a pretty nice trick that doesn't cost you cards. But it's it's a very small like uh, difference for me, really. A lot of the times you just play a bobble and bounce it. So this is just like a bobble that doesn't draw cards, but sometimes is really sweet when you need to, you know, cast your Jace or stuff like that. So I think it's been working out pretty good. And how were the Fables? The Fables were really nice. A lot of my opponents, I think in every game besides Aluren, because I didn't draw them there. Like, it it drew two cards out of the opponent every turn. Like, every time I played it. Against you, I think you double-bolted First the token that creates treasures, and then the flipped version. And that's just like really good value for a free mana spell. But the idea is that uh, with Kitten you can just blink it and, you know, get a new 2-2 that creates treasures. And this is a deck that draws a lot of cards. Like I mentioned, you have a lot of cantrips and stuff. And when it comes to the second lure, just discarding two cards that aren't doing what you need to do if you're digging for the combo and you really need to kill them, it's such a good card to just allow you to, okay, maybe maybe this isn't a Swords to Plowshares like matchup. I'll just put these here and draw two fresh ones. And especially after sideboard, when you get to dig deeper for your hit pieces or sideboard cards, I think that's really nice. So I, I do think that they're pretty good. In my latest build, I cut one. So I'm down to one fable in the next list I'm going to try. But I do like them. I think it's also just a fun card. And I did, in in my game two against uh, the Jeskai opponent, I did get to untap with Snapcaster, Kitten, and 
the reflection part, the flipped side. So if you have Snapcaster, <laughs> Kitten, and that, it's just it's impossible for them to win. You can just make a copy of Snapcaster, target a spell, play it. Kitten blinks the original Snapcaster and you just mess them up so hard. It's pretty cool. So you are saying it's fabulous. <laughs> oh man. Sorry. Yeah, that's the that's the dad joke that I needed from Robin <laughs> all this time. Magnificent. Now, more great things. On the weekend of 10 to 11 September, Invasion Games in Norrköping is hosting two days of Paper Legacy with two tournaments. There will be some other formats as side events as well, but whatever. On 10 September, there is uh, what I believe is a translated to Europe and the US uh, sort of 1K. It's ad- advertised as a 10K, but I assume that's in Swedish Corona. Otherwise, this would be a huge event. You can check out if you want to. You can. We'll put a link to the Facebook event in the details of this episode. But anyway, a big legacy paper event is happening in close proximity to Stockholm. We are, of course, hoping of going, right? Where is the hype, guys? I'm super hyped for this. Invasion Games were the place where I played the tournament last time and it's a really nice location. It's quite close to Stockholm with the car, and it's cool to uh, to play, like to go to go away and play a tournament. Especially since there are not many uh, larger tournaments uh, in Stockholm as it is. So super hyped about this, and quite a nice prize pool to be able to compete with. Uh, so looking very much forward to that. Yeah, I mean the the price like a. A 10k in Swedish Krona, it's uh, it's a lot for a hungry student like myself. And I'll be back in school at this time, so it uh, doesn't sound all bad, if you hear me. I was actually thinking, like, this date is special for European Legacy as well, because it's the same date as the Four Seasons in Bologna Legacy event. But the problem with that is uh, I w- I'm, I'm, I'm considering going to that, but... There is always a feasibility check that you need to do. And it will be the second week when I'm back in school. And the person that I'm going with, you know, each day that passes, tickets and uh, hotels and stuff gets harder. And I think one of the more, you know, um, feasible tickets for me, they're starting to, to add up. And it might look really tempting to just road trip down to invasion instead i'm i'm super pumped it's always fun to see paper events Uh, but yeah if you can't fly to this event then uh, you know we have the birmingham event instead and uh, victor you had the dates for that right yeah it's uh, 22nd and 23rd of october gonna be a huge event it's even called mega legacy yeah mega means a million i know i know no if you if you want to know more about this you can uh, i mean check out axio now who's putting it on or you can uh, listen to the latest episode of everyday eternable uh, excellent co-host Callum Smith talks in detail about this event. If you have tickets, uh, or if you have the availability to get some tickets and fly somewhere later this fall, you should check out Birmingham. And we are all, of course, if we're going, we're just gonna carry the cape of the Swedish Viking and uh, legacy killer 
Deltar the Hope <laughs> <laughs> as he goes down there. It's a heavy cape to carry, but we'll do it for him. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. push-ups right now. If you like, I I was speaking to to Andreas about uh, like if you can't go on on the the four is it called four seasons in Italy? Yeah, yeah, yeah four seasons. Yeah, because like this uh, like in September it's one legacy tournament and then there's like Pioneer and Modern or something like that. But in December it's it's like two legacy tournaments or three legacy tournaments. So it's it's more devoted to legacy. So I think that if you want to really play legacy and and uh, venture to Italy for playing. I think the one in December is very interesting. I don't think I have a passport. Maybe for December. I think I might have gotten my passport. Oh man. Yeah, for for our international listeners, there's been a passport uh, craze (laughs) in Sweden because a lot of people realized that their passports expired during the pandemic. For a lot of people, it's like six months waiting until you can go and get your picture taken and all that stuff and now a lot of their printers broke as well right. at the police office so it's it's a mega chaos we'll see if i even get mine in time because i'm one of those scrubs of course yeah like mo- most people they they just get by with the driver's license as well which is is valid in sweden but does not function as a passport or yeah i, I applied for my new passport in in early june and i'm still waiting for it i mean i have a, this sort of we have this national id cards you can use for travel within within sort of european union and schengen but i mean if i want to go to birmingham right <laughs> it's not going to help is it i applied for mine in in march because that's when I realized, oh shit, I need to get a, a new passport because I want to travel this summer. And like early July, I got, I went to the police station and I got everything fixed. And now it's uh, mid-August and I, I've gotten my new ID, but I haven't gotten my passport. But luckily my driver's license is a heavy carry. It's like hard carrying my life right now. Anyway, I really hope to get to North Shopping uh, in the very near future. It will depend on juggling sort of... I'm at that age, you know, when people turn 40, they turn 50. There's these celebrations you go to that are really enjoyable, but that takes up a lot of time. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, people, everyone got married. Now we're in a life where everyone sort of celebrates big birthdays. Uh, so um, that's what it hinges on. But I hope to get these logistics together for North Shopping. And sort of with some hope, Birmingham might also get in there. Step one will be to get my passport. And that, my friends, is all we have for this week. We hope you had a good time with us. And that you, if you haven't done before, you are now planning uh, all of your travels to North Shopping in September. If you like our podcast, a nice way of showing it is to tell a friend. or And rate us in whichever podcast application you like to use if you like nice people you are very welcome to join our discord server you can find the link in the episode description and in addition to the discord you can hit us up on our twitter which is sthlm legacy we are also personally present on some social media robin where can our listeners find you you can find me on twitter at yaka underscore boo and you can find me on Twitter at monolithmtg and you can find me on Twitter at disco drogo and that is the end of the 58th episode of stockholm legacy report thank you robinson c and anchors of Wikstrom. warm thanks to you for listening thank you as always to freanes for writing our theme music you can find more of their work on spotify and until next time apply a generous amount of sunscreen